This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Oh, you're with Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on Reality Check Radio. Send us an email at inbox at realitycheck.radio. Flick us a text, 2057. Send a text. Love hearing your feedback. And we're in for a treat. Because we're talking to, well, how often have you just wanted to pack up, get away, live in the country, grow your own food, and live free? Well, we're going to be talking this morning to Dana Thompson, who, with her four children, two girls and two boys, and her husband, has done exactly that. And so, Dana, good morning. G'day. Look, I'm so excited to interview you because I want to hear, you could make a TV show out of what you've done. (laughs) Have you thought of that? No. (laughs) Because I imagine there's a lot of low bits too, right, where you're thinking, oh, what have I done? We want to hear about the low bits and the high bits. You look wonderfully healthy and happy. Oh, thanks. That's a a good start. Tell us about yourself. So what we're going to be talking about, everyone, is homesteading and having chickens and growing vegetables and homeschooling and living close with your family and with nature. And uh, that's what Dana is telling us about. She's got a beautiful webpage with all, uh, all, all little helpful tips about what to do, and it'll have a web page thing. But I just uh, googled Fantail Valley, and yep. up it popped. So do that, even while we're talking. And tell us about yourself, Dana. Where did you? Where were you born? Well, I'm a Dunedin girl. Both my husband and I both were born and bred in Dunedin. And well, that's a um, good start. Yeah, great start. And both sets of our parents um, are still staying local and most of our family as well, which is nice. Um, and so, yeah, grew up in there. And when we got married, bought just a typical city block. And um, But paying a mortgage <laughs> was a bit of a shock to the system. So I thought, you know what, how about we start a garden? Um, and I mean, I grew up on five acres and that was, that was really fun, really enjoyed it. It was a great childhood, uh, but I didn't really learn much about gardening. So most of it I've learned as an adult, just giving it a bash basically. Um, so we started with a nice, oh, to start with, it was a couple of, you you know, those gray tote bins, a couple of those out on the deck, um, and grew some carrots and some lettuce and stuff, and then put in a bit bigger garden and then, we moved and decided that by that stage we sort of had a quarter acre and we thought we'll get some chickens and some fruit trees and put in a bigger vegetable garden. So you've always had a hankering for growing stuff or was this sort of a, a bit of a financial imperative? It was definitely a financial thing. Um, but once I started gardening, I kind of fell in love with it. It's a weird thing. Like I don't like bugs and I don't like being dirty. <laughs> Um, oh, well, you're talking, the to the, you're talking to the right guy because <laughs> I sort of want to have chickens, but I'm scared of chickens. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> hens, hens, yeah. just the look of them, they frighten the living bejesus out of me. But like, carry on, we'll get, 
<laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. So you're yeah. growing things and you yeah, don't so like that... being dirty and you don't like bugs, but you're uh, financial imperative growing. And then you're thinking, oh, this is fun. What was fun? There was something nice about being outside um, and having your, well, that, I'm sure that grounding thing and spending time in nature, I'm sure that influences us somehow because you just feel better doing it. Mm. And there was also just that reward of when it does work, you can put stuff on your plate that you knew you grew yourself. Um, and that reward is quite real too. Um, and so we just kind of just slowly but surely grew more and grew more. Um, and Did then, you plant any flowers? No. At that stage, I only wanted to grow something if it was native or it was edible. So we put in heaps of fruit trees. Um, and lots of natives and flowers just was not my thing. Okay. Um, more recently, my mother has gotten to beekeeping. And so we've got a hive here. And when we move over to our new place, um, she's going to move most of her hives over there because their property is just a little sort of town section. Um, and she's currently got like four hives or something on it. So she's going to move them all over there. And all of a sudden, I have this desire to grow flowers, which I've never done before. <laughs> Well, that sounds like your life. So you're on this section and you're gardening and you're planting natives and things that you can eat, like trees uh, yeah. with fruit. And then what? Well, then we had, by that stage, we had two kids and our mortgage was quite high. It was like the dream house that we'd built it and it was sort of that dream house, but we were having to host international students to make the mortgage payments. Um, and I was, I had, I'm a nurse by trade and I had to go back working um, just to make mortgage payments. And so um, we decided. So you're working, you're working for the bank. Yeah, exactly. Spending our lives working to pay for the house. Yeah. And so we decided we would look at building again. Well, actually it was a renovation was the first thought, but eventually we decided to look at building again and we were looking for a quarter acre section for under 100,000. So this was about eight years ago, which in Dunedin, there were a few around, but they were sort of in the cold, shady, horrible parts of town that I wouldn't choose to live in. And then we came out here to look. Um, we're about half an hour south of Dunedin. Came out here to look at a five acre block that's actually the block across the road from here. Um, and I turned around and saw the 10 acre block that we're currently on. Um, had a sign up and I was like, oh, there's that 10 acre one that didn't have an address. And so we ended up getting 10 acres for under a hundred thousand. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And you got it when you say south of Dunedin. So we all know where Dunedin is and you yeah. hop on the motorway and do you drive past the airport? Where, when you say south of Dunedin, where am I heading to? You take the coast road. So we're in Tyree Mouth. So you'd go take the coast road down rather than the um, I see the scenic rather route. than the motorway. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a lovely part of the country. And so, if you go on the coast road, it's half an hour out of Dunedin. Yeah. So how many kilometers would that be? I'm not sure. So um, many. Thirty, maybe 30. thirty or forty. Okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. You drive good. Okay. And do you have? When you say you're on the coast road, do you have the ocean or is it a distance? Yeah. You can uh, see it. From, from here, we can see it from our gate. We're about a kilometre as the bird flies, our actual house from the sea. Okay. Um, but driving into town, it's right along. Yeah, it's just beautiful. You can so see you bought thing. 10 acres eight years ago for under 100,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But it had no house on it. 
It had nothing. It was pasture. Um, there's quite a bit of old man gorse here as well, which has been brilliant firewood. It's the best firewood you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have set this place up. We've got a house. Um, I've put so, in a food forest and orchard. We've got so sheep and goats. One step at a time. Yeah. You're still living in Dunedin. You've got yep. 10 acres. So, and you just casually say we put a house in. How does that work? Uh, there's a local crew of builders here. Oh, <laughs> funny story. The first, when we first bought here, there's a lot of forestry around and the very top corner of here had 17 pine trees in it that would need to come down before we put the house in. So my husband and my dad were here cutting the trees down and one of them twisted and took out the power line and it took out the power for the whole area. Um, and almost started a fire. They had the fire brigade out here. How to get to know your neighbours. Exactly that. So my mum said, how about I make some scones and I've got some German cream and we'll go around. And so the next day me and mum went around and apologised to everybody and gave them some scones and cream and, uh, cream and jam. Um, and that's how we met the local builder. <laughs> ah. um, and everybody was very gracious about the fact that we'd taken their power out just before tea time. Um, on a Saturday evening. Um, and yeah, no so one was hurt. Lovely. Hey? And no one got hurt. No, and no one got hurt, thankfully. It was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very lucky. Um, and so that's how we met the local builder. So we ended up buying, we asked Gold Pine Sheds to up-spec a shed for us up to sort of housing standard. They have to have extra bracing and stuff um, for a shed to actually be transferred to being a house so we got the engineer involved and did that and so we got the kit set dropped off here and the local digger guy dug up the place put in the driveway got everything ready and then the local builder and his team put the shell up for us and did the internal framing Um, and then my husband and I sort of oh and installed things like the bathroom and the fire those sorts of things that you can't do yourself really um, but my husband and I took over from there and we um, insulated and lined the walls and we moved out here in the middle of a hailstorm um, where the fire wasn't working, the insulation wasn't in the roof, the ceilings went up and we had four little kids, uh, th- at that stage three little kids. Um, so we all just kind of huddled around the heater and made the best of it until Monday when they could get the fire actually working. And what did you do? initially for power, water, and sewage? Uh, so the house is on a sewage tank and it's rainwater. And thankfully we moved in in May, which traditionally in Dunedin is the heaviest rainfall. So our tanks were almost full when we moved in, Yeah, um, which is nice. Um, and electricity, our house is hooked to the grid, but we've since installed enough solar panels that we could pull the plug. And if we were staying here, we would. Um, but our house is currently on the market, so we didn't want to pull the plug and then have someone else come in and decide they wanted to stay hooked up. So it's currently doing both. Okay. When you say your house is on the market. Yeah. The house you're living in now is on the market. We're yep. going to have to slowly work through this. So <laughs> um, you got teen acres. Yeah. you got a gold pine shed up spec. you got uh, the digger driver and the builder built it and you finished it off. Yep. And you got on the grid, you're using rainwater and you've got a sewage system that is sort of dug into the ground. Mm-hmm. Is it rude to ask what all that cost? Um, I think the 
surge system and stuff was about 20 grand, I think. But again, yeah. that was like eight years ago. So I think yeah. it's more than that now. Of course. Um, we put two big concrete tanks in. So I think that was like 16,000 for the tanks. For the water? Can, yeah, for the, for the water. You yeah. can get the, the plastic ones are often cheaper, but I don't like the taste of the water that comes out of them. Oh, I've really? Up, yeah, different. I've grown up uh. on concrete tanks and I don't like the taste of the water out of the plastic ones. Mm. Yeah. And so the rainwater runs off your roof? Yeah. Do you have to do anything to the water? Oh, we have a filter, like, before you drink it. but So it takes the possums and the leaves out? Yeah. <laughs> possum manages to fall down a drain pipe it's a pretty small possum <laughs> <laughs> well you know i just sort of think I've, so you can safely i know this sounds silly right but you can safely drink water that's fallen out of the sky i suppose it's all fallen out of the sky run down your roof yeah down your drain pipe and through a filter into your concrete tank well, it goes into the concrete. The filter's on the way out. Ah. Yeah. So the nice thing about particularly concrete tanks, but all water tanks, they develop a natural biofilm in them, which has the good bacteria in it that will naturally generally fight the bad ones. So the chances of getting something like Giardia is actually really slim. Do you have to put that biofilm in or is it just a kit? Really? It just develops, yeah. Yeah. See, there's so these things that I imagine – for hundreds and thousands of years, we've sort of known, and it's sort of such a shock to me because we aren't even prepared to drink water unless it comes out of a tap or a bottle yeah. now, are we? And you yes. just get it off Bridget. your roof. Yeah. And can you get enough water that way? Yeah, we've never run out. So does it only come off your roof? Yep, yeah. yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Ah, and you've got electricity and you've got a sewage system. Okay, so what did the shed cost? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think all up our build here was about, at the time, about 220. Good for you. Um, because we saved a lot in labour because we did the lining ourselves and the insulation ourselves. And labour is about half the cost of a build. So, Is your husband quite handy? No. <laughs> <laughs> was it a bit like that? You won't remember this, but when I was a kid, they had a great show called Green Acres. Yeah. With, what was it Zaza Gabor or some some woman and they went from I guess New York out into the country and it was sort of the the show was around their spoofs of them living in the countryside. It was terribly lame, but at the time we loved it. Did it feel a bit like that that you were hapless, the two of you? Oh we just um I'm quite practically minded and um Matthew's very good at following instructions. So um he can wield a skill saw better than I can because he's got the strength that I don't have. Um so I can say, here, cut this, and he'll cut it straight, you know. Mm. And, yeah, he's developed a lot of skills over the last, how long are we married? Nearly 18 years. He's he's <laughs> learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like all good husbands, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the key to a successful marriage is to learn to do what you're told. Yeah. Tell me, um, it would be fun, though, wouldn't it, building that house? It's quite an adventure, definitely, yeah. Um, and the and kids loved it. How old were your kids when you were building? Uh, my eldest is 14 now, so she must have been about six or seven when we started. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and my youngest, at the when we moved out here, uh, he was the youngest at the time. He was like one and a half, maybe 15 months. 
So we've got photos of him. He he was a bit of a slow talker, which was a bit of a shock having had two girls that were very early and quick talkers. But he was like so nimble. He would be up the top of a ladder doing something. <laughs> he just Quite had the scary, balance. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife and I renovated a house when we had a young child. Our oldest one was young. And the terrible thing was we'd get busy working and like almost forget about her. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times, I remember one particular time we went into the living room where we had left her playing and thought, I oh, will just keep an eye on her. And we sort of forgot because you get working. Yep. And I can only think of one thing at a time at best. And we went out and we couldn't find her. And we were so terrified, you know, that terrible panic uh-huh. as a parent when you can't see your kid. And like we were running around outside and we we're about to run down the street. And it turned out she'd just fallen into the toy box and couldn't get out. <laughs> and she was perfectly safe in this way. This toy box was constructed, but like she couldn't get out. And it was such a shock because um yeah, and it's and it's tough, isn't it? Because yeah. Um, we had the same thing with my eldest when she was maybe two. She she would just suck her thumb and fall asleep anywhere. And we were working outside building this chicken house um, for these first lot of chickens we were getting. And she said, "I'm going to go inside." And we're like, "Okay." And um, when I was like, "Oh, I better go check on Tally," I couldn't find her anywhere. And our uh, German student at the time had come home but hadn't shut the front door properly, so it was open. I'm like, "I'm sure she wouldn't have gone up to the." Uh, we were worried she'd gone up to the dairy or something. Uh, um, and so I eventually thought, oh, heck, I'll go up to the street and see. And then eventually Matthew Hollers for me. I found her. She was asleep. She'd snuggled in under the giant pile of washing oh, and gosh. fallen asleep. So there's just this little face sucking her thumb that you could see poking out from this big pile of washing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. So um, I know that panic. So, <laughs> yeah, we all do. Even in the shopping mall, you can lose them. Um, yeah. And so you built this shed and then you started to populate the 10 acres with stuff yep. what did you do uh i we brought the chickens with us when we moved here so they were here while we were still finishing the house and stuff um we just put together a little house with them using some scrap tin that matthew had found from a friend's house and some pallets and sort of stacked the pallets too high and made this big shed with it. And so that's where the chickens hung out until we had time to build them a proper chicken house. And not long after we got here, we got some milking goats um, as well. Um, And we had to keep them on a tether until we could get some fencing in. Why did you get milking goats? Uh, Why did we get them then? One, it was before I had Jada. I can't remember why we got them there. I think pro- probably just because I love goats. I've grown up with them. And and and, um, and you milk a goat? Yeah. Do you milk it each day? Yeah, yeah. They usually will have a baby with them, and so we do what's called share milking with them. So the, we will pop the babies into a pen next to the mother, or usually we have a couple of mums on the go at the time, so all the babies go in together put them in a pen overnight, milk the mums in the morning and then leave the babies with them for the day. So you sort of pinch baby's milk. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's great because it means that, I mean, the babies don't drink much during the evening anyway. Um, and then how much milk do you get out of a goat? 
Uh, it depends how good a milker they are. My my favourite one that we had, Edith, she would milk a litre. Wow. Yeah, some of them milk more than that. But she, and what's it taste like? Um, I'm honestly not the biggest fan of drinking it. I can taste the, I don't even know what you call it, a kind of a, it's not even goatee. There's a taste in the back of your throat. My eldest can taste it as well, but no one else in the family can, so they'll all drink it. Um, it, it just tastes like milk. Except for me and Talia, we can feel have this funny aftertaste, yeah. And you grew up with milking goats? Yeah. And yeah. so is that your sole supply of milk? Uh, no. The, we then sort of moved out of milking goats and swapped to meat goats when I discovered that the people in the family that are good at, like, okay at drinking dairy and don't get too much upset tummy, from having too much dairy are the ones that don't particularly love the goat's milk and the ones that have some dairy intolerance were the ones that were drinking the goat's milk. So we don't actually use all that much milk in our house anymore. But when we do eventually move, I want to get an A2, A2 Jersey cow. Mm -hmm. um, there's different types of casein protein in milk yes. and goats and A2, A2 cows have the same sort of casein, and, but most dairy, particularly in New Zealand, most commercial dairy is A1. Um, so a lot of people that react to commercial dairy are okay with goat's milk or A2, A2 jersey. So, Do you think pasteurisation makes a difference to your tolerance or intolerance of the milk? I think there's um, there's like a scale of pasteurisation. So there's a local place, well, not, not very local to here, it's north of Dunedin, um, but they used to sell raw milk and then they found some TB in their herd. So now they do like a low temperature, longer mm. time pasteurization. Um, and it's not homogenized. And I don't know if it's pasteurizing it or homogenizing it. I suspect it's the homogenizing that does the product because mm. it breaks all the particles up really small. Yeah. So they mix in together. And well, I think when you get I'm leaky a, gut things. I was a big fan of raw milk. I can't get any at the moment, not at a reasonable price anyway. And our kids grew up on raw milk. And um, I remember getting this milk and sitting down, and I hadn't drunk milk since I was a kid, and I poured myself a glass of milk, and I started sipping it, and it transported me back to being a little kid and drinking milk from the cow, yeah. and it was so delicious and refreshing. And after that glass of milk, I slept literally like a baby <sighs> and became a big fan of it. Amazingly. The couple that used to supply us with raw milk and a lot of Wellington, the government hounded them and hounded them, and they kept within all the rules and regulations and would get legal advice and all the rest of it, and they got prosecuted for yeah. not following some regulation. And their milk was so – our kids grew up on it. Yeah. Um, so I'm inter I was interested in that. I, I never looked – all that. Well, I did. I read a couple of books on it and I was fascinated by it. But um, now we're just having to buy, you know, standard milk and mm. we make kefir and the kids yeah. mostly drink kefir. But um, good for you. So I'd never heard about having milk, milking goats and oh, frightening yeah. the little kid for your share. <laughs> um, but you've always got to have a little kid. Being well, born. you can you can milk them for a couple of years before they have to have another kid. Yeah. But um that sort of the milk supply does taper off and the kids are so cute. Why would you not want them? 
<laughs> yeah, but you sort of got to get a daddy goat, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And we then, used to borrow um, one from someone else that we knew, and he was real sweet. He was a lovely daddy goat. He wasn't aggressive. Um, and then more recently with our last herd, um, we had one, and as long as he wasn't, as long as it wasn't in season, um, he was lovely. When it was sort of rutting season, he was a bit more protective of his girls, and we just stayed out of the paddock when he was like that. Um, but the rest of the time, he'd come up for a cuddle. He was quite lovely. Gosh, that's really out there to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of up till recently, you know, it's got to be wrapped in a bit of plastic for me mm-hmm. to contemplate eating it um, or drinking it. But um, she got the uh, what, what did you do in the garden? Well, it took us a wee while to get the garden done because we needed the digger driver to come back. When he's cleared up for the house, he put this massive pile of topsoil just over off to the side. And so for where my veggie garden was going, I needed him to come back. So we had to finish sort of what we were doing with the house before we could get him back. And so he came back and placed it out for the lawn and pushed it out for the veggie garden. So I did have to go, I think it was about a year and a half without a garden, which mm. by the end of that, I was like, I need a garden. <laughs> mm. Not but for your sanity almost. Yeah. yeah. It gives me an excuse to get outside and I can, the kids don't, one of my kids loves gardening. The others will come and help and then get bored and walk off. Um, so it's a nice way of not telling them to go away, but also getting my own space. Yeah. Yeah. So you, how did you make your garden? Uh, to start with, though, just in the ground, like just I. No, but like you put the topsoil down. That was it. Yeah, pretty much. And then we had some animal bedding, so we because cleaning out from the goats and the chickens, so we dumped some of that on the ground. Um, and then I just kind of made sort of furrows for the pathways and hills for the garden, just so I knew not to stand on the garden bed so much. Um, and how did you know when to plant things? By that stage, I kind of have a rough feel for it. But yeah. my favourite book was actually the Star Garden Guide. So, you know, um, like there's the ODT and Allied Press who own ODT, um, the newspaper. They, there's also the Star. And so the Star, which is like the wee weekly tabloid, I guess it's called, the wee yes. one that gets put out for free. Yeah, so the Star, they had a Star Garden Guide and it was a book. Um, because it was made locally, because a lot of the gardening books you get for New Zealand, like the Tui one, seems to be more based for sort of Wellington up, um, not quite so relevant for us down here that get a bit colder. Um, And so it was great because it had weekly what to plant each week. Um, I've got to get that book because I'm into gardening, slowly learning. But um, uh, it's crazy, right, because, like, I'm like you, my mum and dad were the best gardeners ever and I never learnt and could never understand it. And now I'm, um, I just want to garden. Yeah. Well, I, I put I put together a gardening course for people like that and then I decided to put all that course material into a book. So it's um, it's got weekly what activities. Oh, on your webpage. Okay. okay. On your yeah. webpage. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Because I got distracted reading about hens on your webpage. So I'm going to come hens. I'm scared of hens. Oh. I'm going to come back to um, your webpage. But so you got your garden up and running, you got your house, and you started. At what point did you start homeschooling your kids? We actually started that before we moved out here. It was one of the things that stopped us having to worry too much about where in town the section was. 
Okay. Um, my eldest went to school for about, well, she went for a year, but about two weeks into it, she's like, when are we going back to kindy? And then halfway through that first year, she's like, school's such a waste of time. The teacher spends the whole time telling off the naughty kids and I don't get to do anything that I want to do. Isn't that great? Out of the mouth of a five-year-old. <laughs> and and they like, love oh, being oh. homeschooled? Hey. They love being homeschooled? Oh, they love it. They live the best life. I thought, well, I did all right at school. Like academically, I did all right, but I would have vastly preferred to have been at home. Um, and my husband had a bit of a rough go through school. So um, we thought, you know what? We'll give it a try. We'll give it a bash for a year. By that stage, I was pregnant with the third one. And thought, if we're going to give it a try, now's the time. And haven't looked back. <laughs> we just love and, it. And tell me why it's called Fantail Valley or the Maori word. Oh, Piwakalaka Valley. When we first moved here, uh, well, no, when we first came to visit here, it was March-ish. And as it turns out, that's when there seems to just be a lot of fantails around. But when we got here, there were just fantails everywhere. And they, when we went to look at the section and to have a look around, they'd just be in the trees right next to you. Wow. Um, so the kids actually came up with the name. My oldest two are bird crazy. Um, absolutely. They just love them. So so um, the valley itself is not called Fantail Valley. Your place is called that. Yeah, because we've got sort of a gully that runs down one side of it. Okay. And so um, it sounds idyllic, right? Yeah. <laughs> sounds it. <laughs> Tell me about the worst moment. Um. When you're going to kill your husband or something. I think one of the worst moments most recently was we were working over at the new place. Um, we're trying to get a barn built over there so we can go and camp in it while we build a house. So we were over there busting about guts trying to get some stuff done over there and I get a text message from a guy who lives up the road saying we were just at our other neighbours looking after it while they're away and these goats are in the paddock. Are they yours? Oh. And all of our goats had jumped the fence, which the seven years, they've never jumped the fence. And they were all in the neighbor's paddock. And um, did they do naughty things in the paddock? Like eat No, thankfully, but also they refused to come home. So it took two and a half hours to get them back across the fence. Do you herd them or catch them? I had to catch every single one of them and lift them over. Most of them are pretty friendly, but a couple of them are like, they're friendly as long as they're a meter away from you. Um, and then if they're closer, they run away. So um, it took a bit of bit of um, effort to get them home again. The kids would have loved that, right? Well, actually, I didn't go down. Matthew went and my eldest and my third went and did it. Okay. And they managed very well. It was my job to fix all the, elect all the electric fence. So they didn't do it again. <laughs> mm. So now that you've got all set up, you're getting reset up all again. Tell me about yeah. that. Why are you getting reset up? Um, because these days we've only got one income. And so we've decided that we want to try and sell this house and start again and do it all slowly with cash and not have a mortgage is the plan. Good for you. So is it the same bit of land or another bit of land? It's another bit. We can actually see it. I can see it from here looking across the valley. It's an ex-forestry block. Okay. How many acres is that? 43. Wow. And yeah. you're going to sell your 10-acre block with your gold pine specked up to a house shed mm -hmm. on it and garden. Yeah. And you've got 43 acres, ex-forestry. What's there, pasture or nothing? Nothing. When we bought, we bought it almost a year ago. Um, 
and it's clay it's had the big machines over it so it's all churned up quite rough um so we got the same guy that did the digger work here took a bulldozer over there just to clear off some spots move some of the slash out the way um and clear off a place for us to put the barn and we've put a big turnaround around it so it's been really helpful getting trucks over there to have a big truck turnaround um leveled off an area for a veggie garden and a big tunnel house and so they're all over there already i've got a tunnel house have you they're great (laughs) i've had it for three weeks oh that's awesome maybe longer uh i have you got to listen to my show with wally richards the gardening guru yeah. And he said, Oh, you get a glass house or a tunnel house. And I says, Oh, how do I get that? He said, You just keep your eye out. And he mm-hmm. says, One will come up for, for free just to get rid of it. And I thought, That's impossible. And so I looked. He told me to go on Nabley. I went on Nabley. Nothing appeared. I couldn't understand it. Now Nabley won't stop emailing me. I'm getting sick of him. <laughs> and, uh, but I went on Facebook and blow me down. There was a tunnel house. A uh, guy said, You dismantle this and you can have it over in Hawea near Wanaka. So it's like an hour away. Yeah. So I went over there and exhausted myself taking down this tunnel house. And then I thought, oh, I'm not sure I can get this back up because like a typical man, I just took it down. And then when I took it down, I couldn't remember which bits went <laughs> plastic everywhere. Anyway, like a typical man, my wife came and helped me put it up and she had a bit of water to it. And so I've got a tunnel house. and um. I've planted things, but nothing's yet sprouted. But it's very warm in there. It's like five degrees warmer. And yeah. I put I put a lot of compost in it to warm it up more. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's going to work, but the, the yeah. soil is very warm and I got it. And so that's quite exciting. I just wanted to brag. That's very exciting. It's yeah, very I'm exciting. so excited. I just miss my tunnel house because it's yeah. down the road. So you've got this other 43 acres and you're going to build a barn. Live in, you're building the barn. You're going to live in the barn. And you're going to build a house. That's the plan. Good for you. Now, tell me then, you're doing all this. You're homeschooling four kids. You're looking after a husband, which, you know, is a big job. <laughs> and you decide to set up a web page. Tell me yeah. about that bit. Well, when we first started building here, that's how it very first started. My cousin lives down in Invercargill and she was like, keep us updated with your house build. So that's how it started, was literally just a blog of the house build and progress here. Um, And then I sort of fell down the tunnel of SEO and using advertising and making your own. SEO? Uh, search engine optimization. So basically writing stuff so Google will find it so that when people search for ah. stuff, it'll come up. And so then learning realized, the alg- algorithms in that. Yeah. And then I realized that actually I could not. So only if you write Pornhub or something, people will yeah. find you quicker. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> or Bikino Girl. Bikini, book lots of girls in bikini. Or Exactly. Exactly. Don't you hate it when you're reading a news site and you read a headline or something pops up and it's so exciting and then you click on it and it's so bloody dreary. The only thing that was exciting was the headline. Was the title. That clickbait's a real, yeah, you've got to stay away from that. Otherwise, the good thing about Google is it works out how long someone stays on a page for. So if you click ah. onto it, read the first paragraph and go, that's irrelevant, click off, they're less likely to recommend that article to someone else. So you learn how to do a blog and have a web page mm-hmm. that uh, 
would go high up a Google search. Mm -hmm. And then you start to think, well, this is interesting because people are interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'll do more. Yeah. So I swapped from just documenting our progress to actually writing more how-to stuff to teach other people how they can do it as well. Did um, you have any background in teaching or writing or no, blogging or web things? No, You've done um, all this just by learning. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've built a few websites for a few businesses too that need a simple website. I can I I personally own about three or four that I yeah. So um, you built the web page. You didn't go to some fancy computer guy and say I need a web page. You built it. No, I did it myself because it's cheaper that way. <laughs> wow. Because I suppose if you're having goats and milking your goats and filing off the kids and getting a dad goat and all the rest of it. Building a web page is like easy. Well, I mean, Matthew, had, my husband, had built a few things using different processes in the past. So he helped me work out how to, uh, I won't get into the technical details, but basically get the address that you've got to point to the website that you're actually building. So he helped me with that. But but the rest of it, I use WordPress. Um, again, this, uh, I won't get into that either. There's two different But you types, can do but, it. You can do it. Yeah. And do a lot of people go to it? Yeah. Um, these days I probably get mm, 40 or 50,000 page views a month. That's huge, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I started reading it mm -hmm. and I was loving it. Oh, that's good. And like, I normally that person that reads something on the web for two minutes and thinking, oh, what's next? Yeah, and I spend a, 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 an hour going, "What's next?" You know, but I got to your web page, and I land. I I sort of want to have eggs, but I don't like hens. <laughs> so, what would be your advice to me? Uh, I think the answer in that. Me. Do you have to touch them? No, well, that's the thing. My sister is one of my sisters. I'm the eldest of four girls. One of my sisters is terrified of birds, and she has chickens. She just has their house set up in a way that um, she doesn't have to go in it very often. Um, and she don't got, mind. I don't mind the chicken poop. I go yeah. into the dirty old hen house. Yeah. I just don't want to be near a chicken. Yeah. So the a trick hen. is make your nest, the area they sleep in, up off the ground and have some perches that are open underneath because they do half their pooping at nighttime. So if you make it so that their poop falls through, but also make it that you can shut that from, so when they all go to bed at nighttime, you can shut that door so they're all locked in there. So you can get into their run and clean it out without the chickens coming out. And then you can get roll away nesting boxes so the eggs will roll out of the nest and into a weed capture space. So you can open those and get them out without touching the chickens as well. There's options. And what do you do, God forbid, if one got old and passed away? Oh, well, it happens. You just I mean, get a fork and get yeah. a long fork and stick them on up. a shovel yeah and then bury them put them in your garden because i don't know i feel a bit embarrassed mentioning this but i they look at me and i just they send a shiver down my spine that's because they're dinosaurs yeah that's it they're dinosaurs because yeah. yeah. i just i might be i might have a condition that i could start putting in my sort of signature with my pronouns that I'm a victim because, you know, I have this terrible thing that I'm scared of chickens. Got trauma. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I mean, we go through 
the eggs are so irritating to me because like we go through heaps and heaps and heaps of eggs mm -hmm. and if you get used to paying for something at four dollars you think okay well that's the price and then they say it's now ten dollars and you're thinking what Jesus. and i mean i wouldn't lay an egg for a dollar so <laughs> i think it's not that bad so you know ten dollars but then they say you can only have a carton and you say what we go through a carton of eggs a day yeah i mean I got to come back tomorrow for my another carton, and I go back to my other carton, and pack and save. Oh, we're sold out of eggs. You have to come back tomorrow. Yeah, and all this is course of crazy rules on uh, yep. resource management act and all that nonsense that's um, yeah done this to our poor hen farmers, and so I'm thinking, well, I'm gardening. I got myself a tunnel house. Maybe I need a chicken coop. Yeah. But would I have to touch the hens or no. care for them or if they get sick or something? And then that's why I started reading it and um, your page. I'm going to read it some more and figure out how I do all this. Because, I think it's um, quite doable. And I don't want to spend any money on a chicken coop. And I, I'm quite handy because yeah. it seems to me if I spent money on a chicken coop, I'm defeating my purpose. Mm -hmm. But I've got a lot of old pellets. Yeah, well, Queenstown's okay. great for old pallets because it seems everything gets delivered in and the pallets don't get taken away. Yeah. So there's a zillion and one pallets. And, That's great. Um, oh, well. So what do you cook for food in your gold pine upspec <laughs> barn, which looks so lovely here? Uh, we eat fairly simple. I mean, feeding little kids, trying to give them food that they'll eat as well as it being not too expensive you know how it is yeah. um but most meals at the moment i can proudly say most of our dinners are completely homegrown except for the beef which we're getting from my brother-in-law's farm um we don't wow. have beef here but if we've got lamb or um yeah it's usually from here um and all the veggies are from here well see i hear this and I'm just full of awe because it's just sort of, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, obviously we could do that once. Hmm. Um, and tell me, with your tunnel house, will you grow veggies year round? Yes. Um, we're here we've got a nine metre by two and a half metre one. And I would usually fill it up with brassicas like cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, that sort of thing for the winter. Our new tunnel house is about 100 square metres. So I've got it chocker full of stuff <laughs> um, wow. for the winter wow yeah and tell me about your solar power um so we were getting quite a few power cuts out here and my second daughter is the opposite to you she's chicken crazy and so she often has hens uh eggs in the incubator or she's got a heat lamp over chicks or she raises quite a few of them and um and we kept getting these power cuts and then we'd lose the eggs or we'd lose the chickens um, because the power was going out. Yeah. yeah. And when my husband left his job at ACC to go and do something else, he got all his super paid out. And so we're like, we're going to put that into getting some solar panels so that we can um, not have to worry about the power cuts anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that. Do you have a battery? We've got two batteries, yep. And how long do they, how much? How do they store for you? 
Uh, I can't remember how big they are. Well, ask Matt to me this. You say you could manage with the solar power. Mm -hmm. Do you ever run out and say, oh, do you have to be careful? Uh, well, we are still hooked to the grid, so we can still pull from it. But, for example, our last power bill was $99, and nine of that was electricity that we'd used. The rest of it was all just line user charges. My goodness. Yeah. So you will be wanting to disconnect because that's terrible. You're just paying $90. A, uh, what is that? How long for that bill? Uh, 28 days, I think now. $90 just for the convenience of a backup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And um, when you cook, you use electricity? Yep. Yeah, we've got just a standard old-fashioned white stove, you know, those ones that... Have you thought about getting a wood-fired stove? Oh, we've got one of those as well. Um, it's my favourite thing in the house. Um, when we've got the fire going, it heats our hot water, it runs radiators, and I cook on it and I bake in the oven. So when we moved here in May, all those years ago, I didn't actually turn on the electric stove until October. Wow. And yeah. so is this a expensive wood stove that you it's bought? It's a New Zealand one. It's a Wagner. Oh, um, yes, so, I've heard about them. Yeah, so they're significantly cheaper than some of the others. I think from memory, this one was like 6000 I think. Yeah. As opposed to some of them that are like sixteen to twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a Wagner stove and it's got a wet back. It runs pipes through your houses to, to your house. got radiators, mm -hmm. right? You light the fire. It heats the house with these radiators, which is a lovely heat, right? Yeah. And then it heats your water for your shower and bath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it cooks. Yep. And do you keep right. it running all day? Uh, only when it's cold. Usually we'll start it up. At this time of year, we usually start it up about 4 o'clock, unless it's been cold during the day. But, like, today it's a beautiful sunny day, so we'll probably put it on around 4 o'clock-ish, and then it's warm enough to cook on. So you put it on at four o'clock and it does all of that, all your hot water, heats your house mm -hmm. and you cook on it. Does yep. it take a lot of fuel? Uh, it depends what you're burning. Uh, at the moment, we're using the crappy pine from the cleared forestry at the new place. Um, so it burns fairly quickly. You know those big flexi tubs that you can get? That this yep. sort of, Yeah, those flexi tubs. If we're burning the fire all day and the evening, we might go through four of those if it's pine. Um, if it's macrocarpa or gum, we'll probably go through two, two and a half. Mm. And if we're burning gorse, once you get the fire going, you'd only go through one of them. Wow, because it's yeah. a hard wood. Yeah. And um, you can get all that firewood just for the cost mostly of collecting where you are, yeah. right? Yeah, we pretty much get it for free, yeah. And But you don't like cooking on it in summer because it's too hot? Yeah, well... Um, because we have so much solar, we use the solar to just heat the hot water, just Got using it. the electricity from the solar to heat the hot water, and we don't need the house heated. It's our only source of heat, but during the summer, it's obviously not an issue. So we have enough solar that we've got enough electricity to just cook whatever, and we sell the excess back to the grid. Goodness me. Yeah. Um, because I remember going when I was a kid and my nana would have, you know, nothing else but a wood-fired stove. And she baked all the bread 
And I can remember going there on a hot Norwest Canterbury day. And the kitchen was about 10 <laughs> zillion degrees. And, and your poor nana's there all dressed up yeah. with stockings on. I can yeah. remember her having stockings on. I don't know why. Well, because you have to. <laughs> yeah. And sweating like a sweating like a boxer or something, you know, yeah. and just baking bread. Oh, that's very clever. I hadn't thought that, that if you had solar in the summer, you could get away with just using the wood fire because there must be something very comforting on a cold night having a fire going and heating mm. your water, cooking on it, and heating your house. Yeah, that's lovely. There's nothing like wood heat. It's Nothing like it. No. Yeah. So do you have to have a large wood box because you're going through four tubs a day or do um, you just sort of top it up each week? We No, we very cleverly just put the um, the woodshed's not far from the front door. So we just. Yeah. And you've got kids, right? It. It's their job. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, everyone, look up a Wagner yeah. and look up uh, Fantail Valley. Now, all, you are an inspiration, and okay. I'm in awe of you. I suppose you don't spend much time apart being on your uh, doing your own upload. You don't sit there uselessly following Twitter or anything, would you? Oh, not Twitter, no. Because no. you've got like such an exciting life just around the house. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I. I've never really got into Twitter. I do watch a bit of YouTube and I listen to a lot of podcasts, particularly when I'm gardening. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you, how do you find out how to do things like catch goats or grow something? Do you Google it and look at it on YouTube? How do you, have you mostly found out how to do the next thing? Um, yeah, if I don't know often, it's YouTube these days. Previously, it would be Google, but unfortunately, so many websites these days are written either by non-English speaking people mm -hmm. or written by AI. The amount of times that you Google something and it comes up, you start reading it like this is nonsense. Like this does not make sense. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it does does my head in. So I've swapped to looking for YouTube videos on stuff. Oh, I thought it was me. No. Getting old. It's no. Oh. If you find a, a a website article that says "furthermore" in multiple places, that's been written by AI. Huh. Yeah, that seems to be their favorite word is "furthermore," and they just put it in everything. It's like me when I'm on the radio. I say I notice I say a lot of buts, but, but yeah. and that's my sort of why am I thinking? Um, yeah. And tell me about homeschooling the kids how do you manage that what's your makeup of your day do you have a pattern or do you just take it as it comes uh we're really involved in one of the homeschooling groups whoops just kicked the table one of the homeschooling groups in Dunedin so we go to activities three days a week in there and there are more that we could be doing we've just had to designate some home days um and we don't do a great deal of book work these days. The kids are mostly sort of self-motivated with their learning. So my eldest is 14 and she has taught herself in this last 12 months or so, she's taught herself trapping possums, tanning hides um, and taxidermy. And she's currently outside weaving a flax, uh, what is it, willow, a willow basket. So she just teaches herself, she's taught herself crochet, she's just, away laughing doing those sorts of things and she wants to run workshops 
um, teaching wildcraft to other kids. That's what she'd oh, like goodness. to do. Yeah, yeah. and, and eventually she, to grown-ups. But she can read and write and do some. Oh, yeah, yeah. They picked that up along the way. Yeah, and then my next daughter down, she's 12, and she's out washing chickens at the moment because they've got the poultry clubs, got their big chicken show this weekend, so she's showing some chickens in there. And she knows more about genetics and breeding than I could ever dream of knowing. She just reads big, thick books on genetics that I just doesn't interest me, but she loves it. Because she's breeding chickens. Yeah, and she knows all the big medical terms for the different types of genes. I I don't even know. I'm not even going to give them a try. But she How knows old is she? 12. Goodness me. Yeah. And my eight-year-old, he's just learning to read. He's too busy doing other stuff to want to sit down and read, but he's just got to the point now where he'll read signs off his own volition. So um, he's getting there. Um, and he loves building and digging and those sorts of things. It's He wants to be either a digger driver or a mechanic. So mm. it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. I've noticed with kids, uh, they learn, they get switched on to things at different ages. Mm-hmm. And when they're switched on, man, you can teach them so quickly. Like they mm-hmm. decide they're into something. You can't hold them back. No. And then if they're not into it, it's hard work. And you realize yeah. that school is running them along all at the same pace. Mm-hmm. And um, when you, I homeschooled my kids for two terms. And when they were into say, oh, I'm really into this mathematics or learning um, uh, fractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's just like so much happens in such a mm-hmm. short while. Yeah. And I've learned to sort of grab those moments mm-hmm. and they can get such a lot. And then you realize that school's a bit tedious because they're having to work with a class and not at a pace, whereas with homeschooling, you can capture those moments. Yeah, definitely. My youngest, he's three and a half. Oh, he'll be four soon. Um, And he's already asking about letters and sounds. And like he knows all his letters and he knows his numbers. And he can count in twos to like 20 already, which is ridiculous. I don't think they learn that at school until they're five. Um, But he's already sounding, trying to sound out words. Yeah. He's three. So in contrast to my eight year old, (laughs) it's insane. No, well, we've had that. Like my oldest girl could read and just couldn't, can't keep her out of a book. Mm -hmm. And my next one, who's only 18 months younger, she's only just starting to read and it's like for a long time I thought god I'm letting her down but she just wasn't into it and now she's into it she's again getting away reading yeah um oh how how very wonderful uh I'm talking with Dana Thompson with a p correct yes (laughs) she's got this beautiful web page called Fantail Valley it's well worth a dig around and you'll get attracted to it. Funny enough, when I was reading it, for some reason, it, I thought it was in the Marlborough Sounds, but it's just across the way in Dunedin. Yeah. Go there and have a look if you're interested. I'd quite like to check in with you, Dana, if you'd let me, and to see yeah. how you're going. And you can start teaching us about specific things. Definitely. So we could do a session on chooks. Yes. Or things like that. Do you bake bread? I do bake bread, Yep. Ah, oh, you, you really are the earth mother. <laughs> if when when 
catastrophe hits, I'm going to head to your place. Well, I think you'll find a lot of people will be there. <laughs> you, you, someone told me who was into this looking after yourself uh, when, you know, bad stuff happens. Yeah. He told me that the most important thing that you needed was a bow and arrow or a gun because you had to be prepared to fight off all those people that were wanting water and food and chickens and stuff like that. So yeah. you might have that problem, right? And if it became down to Mad Max, everyone would be filing down to your place to have your kids feed them and look after them. <laughs> I don't know. My eldest might bring out her crossbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it happened. And you're a nurse by training? I am. I don't nurse anymore. Um, when the whole COVID thing hit and I was still on maternity leave, I was due to go back after having my youngest and I said to Matthew, I don't want to go work in this nonsense. And I'm so glad that I didn't. Um, Are you one of the unjabbed? I am one of those dirty, filthy Me ones. too. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just thought, you know what, we, we'll just be poor. We'll just make ends meet and just deal with it. Um, well, the funny thing about being poor is, is it, it and being resilient is you haven't got a lot to lose in a funny way. I mean, I imagine if you're very well off at the moment and got high expenses, you could be a bit troubled because, mm -hmm. you know, you could be sitting on the edge, whereas you and your husband, you could go down to nothing and you could live. Yeah, pretty much. Which is um, most people could be living and they can't imagine going down a little bit because mm -hmm. of the bills that they've got and the commitments I've got to their kids' education and their kids' sport and all the rest of it. Yeah, so you do, um, you do think if you've got that covered, um, you can actually hunker down um, and go through a rough time. There's sort of two ways to do it. You either have to be very rich or very poor somehow to, to yeah. cope. I think um, not having money makes you a lot more creative with, what you have and it makes you learn stuff that maybe you wouldn't normally want to learn mm. like, like getting over my fear of chooks yeah exactly i'm gonna do that now i'm gonna get animals chooks. you should you totally should i'm gonna get it because it's just a thing in my head right yeah it is you can totally i had a thing in my head that i couldn't eat fish for a long time <laughs> still can't really the smell of fish i got fish poisoning oh, when yeah. i was seven yeah and the smell of fish you know that strong fish mm -hmm. smell will send me to the bathroom. Yeah, I don't like fish. And um, I decided it was just a thing in my head. And I went to a Japanese restaurant and ate a full plate of raw fish. Oh, wow. And after that, I thought, oh, yeah, that's nothing. And no. I still don't particularly like fish, but I know I can eat it. And I yeah. think I'm going to have to overcome my, scare, my fear of chooks. You should. Because um, I've got a bit of a thing, like plants are clean. You know, I can grow a lettuce and I can cut it and take it home and make a salad. Yeah. And I feel very good about that. But yeah. I'd feel, I feel quite differently about having a dirty old sheep running around the paddock and then chopping it up and eating it. But I oh. love meat. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. there's, this, there's these little things that we have grown remote from the sharp end of what we eat. Yeah. That's so true. And and I've grown remote from the sharp end of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to get back. Dana, good luck with your kids. 
do come on. I recommend, I'm talking to Dana Thompson. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We've been talking the real thing about homesteading. I recommend everyone that's listening, if they're wanting to spend some good quality time, go to Fantail Valley, Google it, because the algorithms will send you there. <laughs> so this lady who's living out in the wop wops, sort of with a bit of straw coming out of her ears, <laughs> knows how to beat the Google algorithms and get into the cyberspace. And you'll find her and you'll learn a lot and you'll learn a little bit about the family, which is just so gorgeous. And they will inspire you. And just like I've been inspired first by Wally to get a tunnel house, now by Dana to get chooks. And we'll check back in with you, Dana, if we may. Yes, good luck to you great. and your husband. When do you think you'll move into the new house, new barn? Uh, if we don't sell the house first, we are thinking about maybe August, but try and get the worst of the winter out of the way here. But um, if we sell the house first, the barn's nearly ready to go. So, And you've got a Wagner in it? Uh, not yet, but we'll put something in it. And that yeah. cool. Would it be a Wagner or something else? Um, because we're not planning on staying there long term, it'll probably just be a wee wood fire. And then I see. I definitely want a Wagner in the house, though, when we build okay, it. Okay, once you build the barn. Lovely talking. Uh, that was Dana Thompson from Fantale Valley. She's got 10 acres, soon to be 43 acres. She's got four children. She's educated. She's got a husband who'll do what he's told, so much so that she can point to a piece of wood and say, cut that there, honey, and he will cut it there, honey, with no questions asked. Not only that, her and her two oldest cats, on her command, will jump the fence and round up the goats. I didn't find out how many goats, but it seemed a lot because it took them two and a half hours to get them back over the fence. And thankfully, they didn't eat the neighbor's washing or the clean up the neighbor's veggie garden, which I imagine goats could do. What a delightful woman. What a delightful story. What a delightful life. And how wonderfully resilient are her children going to be compared to the whiny things that we seem to be producing in the classroom? these days you're on reality check radio it's real talk with rodney hyde thank you for listening this is real talk with rodney hyde tuesdays and thursdays from 10 a.m